It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian's beat reporter for MLB.com and Sarah Lang's researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, I mean, I think before we even started recording this, I already said that I'm so excited to be able to talk Shohei Otani anytime that we can talk Shohei Otani. And it seemed like my Twitter feed this week when I'm sitting at the ballpark was all Otani did this, Otani did that. So much so that I was like, all right, I need to go look up and see if there's a stats thing on him so I can link it into my Guardian's newsletter. And I was like, of course Sarah delivers. So I was like, all right, let's throw Sarah's uh, Sarah's story into the newsletter here because what he's doing is insane. Every time I see something insane, I'm like, ah, Sarah has to be so happy right now. Like I think it every single time. We'll get to him, but like, Somehow the Rays have still been even more impressive, which was the other story I linked in my in the news section in my newsletter because it's like they okay yes their overall win streak ended but it's like I look up and there's just another home run another home run and then they ended up setting the record for consecutive games with a home run to start a season and. I wish I could have been able to watch more of them because this has been unbelievable. I mean, they've been outstanding. You know, every night I'm slacking with Adam Berry trying to figure out, like, what else can we do? How else can he approach this team and putting their historic start into context? It's amazing even without that opening win streak. I mean, it was pretty impressive. We know it's over, but there's so much else that they're doing. So as you mentioned, they homered on Saturday in their 21st consecutive game to open the season. That broke a record that was held by the Mariners in 2019. Now they're up to 22 straight games with a home run to start the season. I know people start to wonder, okay, what's the overall streak? That record is 31, also in 2019, by the Yankees. And as Adam Berry pointed out to me last night or yesterday afternoon, they've actually homered in 23 straight because they homered in their final game of the season last year. So whether you want to say season opening, whether you want to go back further, it is a ton of games with a home run. And, you know, we talked about the whole idea early in the season that their schedule was not the hardest. This weekend, they faced the White Sox. This week, starting tonight on Monday night, they'll play the Astros, who have not been the overall dominant Astros, but big win yesterday against the Braves overall. They're starting to look better, so 
maybe they'll finally lose a home game. They're 13-0 at Tropicana Field this year. I know I constantly do this, but I really just need to put this into perspective here. And again, I know I'm coming from the absolute opposite end of the spectrum. But for me to have this into any type of perspective, I'm sitting at Progressive Field yesterday, which was Sunday. I'm, my seat is right beside their PR staff. And so whenever things happen during the games, they try to see the last time it happened. If there's back-to-back homers, you look up the last time that happened, whatever, and then they announce it in the press box. Well, yesterday before uh, Jose and uh, Ramirez and Josh Bell even went back-to-back, they had they were looking up the stat of when, how many times this year they have even hit two home runs in a single game. And... I heard it. I heard them say under their breath, "Oh my gosh, that was only the second time this year <laughs> that we've had two home runs in a single game." Oh. And I, and like in my head, I went back to us sitting here talking about this with the Rays, and the last time that I said, "I don't understand this because I'm not seeing anything like this," and so to be able to be a fan, to be anyone witnessing this day in and day out of just the sheer power, the talent, everything that's going on in front of you, that's like, that's a gift to be able to see that. I mean, it's even better for the team, obviously, because they want to be able to win. But to be able to witness that type of thing, and I'm sure I'll go on this rant again with Otani, but how fun is that? It's not something that Many fan bases would take for granted. I can speak from firsthand experience of what Guardians fans are tweeting at me all the time. So that's really unbelievable to think of the streak that they've started this year and even dated back to last season if we're digging into Adam Berry's research. It is. And another really, really cool part about it is that their pitching has been outstanding, obviously. That's how you get to a 19-3 and record through 22 games. They've hit 48 home runs this year. They've only allowed 12. That plus 36 differential is the second largest for any team in their first 22 games of the season behind only the 03 Yankees, 2003 I should say, who made it to the World Series of course They were at plus 37 with 44 and just 7 allowed. So it isn't just an amazing offense and no defense or pitching to support them. You get here by being really, really good on both sides of the ball. Okay, I need to talk Shohei Otani. Like, I'm sorry, Rays are, yes, (laughs) there's a reason that we talked about the Rays first. They deserve that. But Shohei Otani, oh my gosh, every time that he's on the mound, I'm telling you, my Twitter feed is just Shohei Otani. Everybody, it seems like, in the universe is watching him start, which one is cool for a West Coast team because, again, we've talked about this before. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not easy for East Coasters to always see those types of games. But when he's taking over a Twitter timeline, it just makes me so happy because this is what we all need to be watching and he's delivering. And I, I quickly read through your story on, on five really cool stat, or stats about his first five starts. And I, I won't speak for you because they're obviously your words. But when I'm reading through this, I'm like, 
what can this guy not do? Oh my gosh. So on Friday, he went seven scoreless, 11 strikeouts, just two hits allowed. And I'm sitting here working on a ton of things. And I'm like, wait a minute. He has an 092 opponent batting average. <laughs> that is not real life. So I start going through. And I found that nobody as far back as I could search on my own had a batting average that low in their first five starts of the year. So I reach out to the Elias Sports Bureau. I say, hey, can we, you know, go back a little further, get basically baseball history. They come back to me with the fact that that is the lowest opponent batting average for any pitcher in his first five starts of his season since the mound was moved to its current distance, 1893. Prior record was 102 by David Cohn in 1999. And at that moment, I'm sitting here thinking, we have all of these great Otani stats in 064 ERA. That's the best for an Angels pitcher in his first five starts. But there's a huge difference between franchise history and MLB history. We know he's outstanding just by the mere fact that he is hitting and pitching. Mm-hmm. But for him to be doing something that nobody has done before, not just the combination of hitting and pitching, but as a pitcher or as a hitter, to be setting a record that every pitcher in baseball history, every starter, has had a chance to do. I'm sitting here thinking, this is on another level. And I use the word mythical in my story. And maybe that's a slight overreaction, but I don't think it is. I mean, nobody has done this. And then you have the side fact that he also hit a home run last night and he had a home run a Yankee Stadium that was 116.7 miles an hour off the bat. He is just in a different echelon from any other baseball player currently and maybe ever. And then on top of that, he goes from being the most dominant pitcher at this point in the season ever, uh, you know, casually, and then goes in and you see the headline the very next day as he's part of a back-to-back-to-back home runs with, uh, you know, the other really great player of Mike Trout. So, like, one, it's cool. Two, the weird helmet that they put on when they get back to the dugout, part of Sarah's golden age of home run sellies, uh, find it very comical. But the fact that he's doing these both of these things is just... We can't say it enough. There's no words for it. And I thought um, that Angels had a, a fill-in. It wasn't it wasn't Rhett Bollinger, who's uh, usually our our Angels writer. He's off, and so we had a, a fill-in, which is Doug. I don't know if it's Padilla. Padilla. I'm sorry for your last name. 
I thought his lead was fantastic in his story whenever he was writing about these three consecutive homers, saying it was comfort food and a favorite movie all rolled into one whenever you watch Mike Trout and Shohei Otani go back to back. And like that's that's literally the perfect way to describe it. That's what it is. It's like sitting there and all is right in the world when you see these two doing unbelievable things like they should do and it's still mind-boggling to me that the angels are just never a better team when you have these two guys um but that's a side rant and i won't get into that today but like i thought that was just the perfect way of describing exactly what we baseball fans want to feel see experience whenever they're watching the greatest players uh speaking of side notes Doug was our White Sox reporter at ESPN when I first started Beautiful. 2015-16. So I uh, love that he is on our site filling it. Yay! But, I mean, yeah, Otani, it's just, it doesn't make sense. A 115 opponent slugging percentage, that's also the lowest in a pitcher's first five starts. And again, it's just the fact that he's doing all of this and then also going out and hitting home runs. I know he hasn't hit as well while pitching lately, but even if he's hitting really well the day after, it's still incredible. And I do, I do want to mention one other stat. Please do. So he's allowed three hits or fewer. In each of his last nine starts, if we go back to last season, that's the second longest streak, you know, excluding openers behind only Jacob deGrom in 2021 at 10. So people often say this, the idea that he is, you know, pick your slugger at the plate and then Jacob deGrom on the mound. And that is him on the list with Jacob deGrom. I mean, just absolutely incredible. And I do want to defend him too. There were some people who were a little salty about his innings pitch total. Oh boy. 28 and five starts. I know guys don't go as deep these days, but the reason it's 28 is because it rained at Fenway the day Alana ran her marathon. <laughs> and he had to be taken out of the game because of a rain delay. So he went two innings. He is not a guy who is a five and dive. He is not going four innings in these starts. He just won seven and I'm sure he would have gone six or seven on Marathon Monday had it not been a rainy Marathon Monday. Long rain delay, you can't bring him back out there. So if you want to be upset that guys back in the day would have thrown five complete games, sure. But I wouldn't be upset about his innings total compared to a Garrett Cole or someone else in today's game because, again, if he had been able to finish, if Mother Nature had not intervened, he certainly would have more innings. I mean, come on. If he was actually good, he would beat Mother Nature, <laughs> and he would just continue to throw. So, <laughs> obviously, this guy is a chump. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I, I totally get all of that. 
And to think of anyone really looking into innings totals, it April 22nd was his start, right? Yeah, on Saturday. Shout out my mom's birthday. Um, yes. Yes, Sarah loves Happy birthdays. Happy birthday, Suze. I know you're listening. I'm so sorry I didn't know, but next year you'll get a text. Absolutely. I should have, t- I forgot how, I don't know. I'm not thinking. Happy birthday and also Earth Day. Yes, and Terry yeah. Francona's birthday. What a, what a oh, day. Wow. What a big I day. I love it. And Shohei Otani's start day. I mean, come on. Does it get bigger <laughs> than this? But on April 22nd, do we really need to be deep diving into comparing innings totals? Like yeah. when we get to the in September and people are voters, BBWAA members are voting on Cy Young and you want to look at someone who's thrown 215 innings versus someone who's thrown 165. Okay, sure. Then we can dive into it a little bit more and see who deserves something over someone else. But when we're looking at it right now, something as small as a like a rain delay skews the whole thing and it makes it look like it's drastic. At that point, one rain delay throughout the season does not skew it that much. So, man, I wish I had as much time free time as some of these people because that's okay, that's a little that's a little tight. But get off of my soapbox too. Shohei Otani, really, I I think we started this podcast and had an idea that he would be like a reoccurring theme on our show of just talking about him as much as possible. And even though we're really not trying to like force that, it seems to just be happening. And I think that sort of speaks for itself of, of how ridiculous he is. And I'm excited to roll around next week at this time and we figure out somehow how he's going to be doing something else that we're sitting here marveling at so um and then next week at this time we'll be uh planning for sarah's birthday so you know it's it's good stuff it's a great time of year it is yes i was gonna the say best yes. time of year because it is birthday season mm-hmm. and i'll just leave it at that but i did have to chime in and mention no one loves their birthday more than sarah langs nobody on this planet and I think we go and learn from it because I think most of us try to hide from our birthdays and <laughs> I am learning from Sarah Langs to embrace this and full on take on birthday month and we are well into birthday month right now. Um, we'll take a quick break right now when we come back we have pirates we have rangers and Jacob deGrom making sure we all know that we don't have to worry about any type of injury scare. When we come back we have so much more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. back to the ballpark dimensions podcast i'm mandy that's sarah and we have it's always fun when we can get into different types of teams to talk about because the pirates are never a team that pops up let's just call a spade a spade at points because 
it's been a little bit of a rough stretch and I think it sort of speaks for it when you go on their website and you have the tap stories that MLB.com does now. They, they have tap stories up on the site so mobile users can click through and just get some stats from whatever game was the night before. You see some highlights. It's a really cool condensed version of catching up if you missed your favorite team. But the headline for this one is Bucks win seven straight for the first time since 2018. And to think that seven straight, yes, that's, that's a good run. And it's not like something that you do every month. But seven straight should have probably popped up from 2018 to 2023. So it's fun to be able to talk about teams like this, catching a little bit of fire, getting some attention that they haven't gotten in a long time. Um, and a little bit, you know, starting a, a little bit on, on a roll. It's not just the Rays that have win streaks going right now. Let's watch out for the Pirates as well. Uh, I have so many thoughts about them, and I'm so excited. They're so much fun. And as you mentioned, seven in a row, that is the longest active win streak in the majors right now. And they have been just there's so much excitement and happiness watching them. 16 and 7, 16 is the second most wins in baseball behind only the Rays, which is wild. And it is their best start uh, through that many games since 1992. That's when Barry Bonds was on the team. I mean, that is a very, very different. Pirates team back then and what I love there's a few things there's a lot of things I love about this team one thing that I love is that they signed Andrew McCutcheon in the offseason and that was kind of a you know uh, let's give the fans one more go with the beloved player let's give him a great way to go out He's having a great year. He's hitting 275. He's slugging 507. You can just see every single ounce of intangible leadership and what have you is just dripping off of him in the dugout. And I love to see that come to fruition. Kind of like Albert Pools last year. I mean, very different career path, but... I don't know if anyone expected Albert to have the year he had last year in his final season coming back to the Cardinals. This isn't necessarily Kutch's final year, but he hit 237 last year. He slugged 384. No one's expecting him to be slugging 507 through 20 games with the Pirates this year. And the other thing I'll say, and again, I have so many thoughts about this team, is that when O'Neill Cruz got hurt, most people figured, okay, now I'm going to tune out the Pirates. That's not how I think. That's not how you think. But I think most people figured that was kind of their last draw, and he was gone. He's hurt, which is so unfortunate because they're so good even without him. I don't know if you saw, I mean, why should I say this? I don't know if many people saw, I know you would have seen, um, how they added Drew Maggie to their their roster and a, a name that probably does not ring a bell for really anyone who would have be listening to this 
or even would have stumbled upon it. What was cool about this call-up um, was that he's a 33-year-old he's a minor leaguer. He was drafted by the Pirates back in 2010, left as a free agent, went to what, Minnesota, I think at least. Um, he's had a, at least one call-up. I don't remember if there was multiple. He's had at least one call-up in the past, but he's never gotten into a big league game. And so he was called up on Sunday and has now the chance to finally get into his first big league game after a 13-year minor league career. It's unbelievable. Um, Justice De Los Santos did a, a really good story on him um, on MLB.com uh, just about the whole thing, about how when he got up there this weekend, he recalled the only other time he's really been out on that field, and it was back in 2010 when he was drafted, and he was standing there with his mom, and she was asking him, like, do you like the field? Do you like all this? And he was, like, saying, like, yeah, I, I can envision myself playing on this field one day. And he was 21 at that point, and little did he know, like, the journey that he was going to have to go on to get here. I want him to get into a game so badly. I mean, I got actual chills as you were saying that. And I know the story, I've read it all, but just hearing it is amazing. And I think that gets to the really fun sort of potpourri of this team right now, which is that they're winning, and they're winning in ways that they should be. They're not getting lucky. They have the lowest, uh, what is it, I believe the lowest team array. Uh, starting pitchers have a 2.15 ERA over their last 13 games. That's the best in the majors in that span. Their offense has been outstanding. They were really good at Coors Field last week, mm-hmm. and then they continued it at home over the weekend. But they have this amazing mesh of that and really good stories with McCutcheon. With Maggie, if he does get into a game, and even if he doesn't, just Mm -hmm. him being around. And they have so much fun. They have the, uh, I don't even know if we discussed their home run celebration. I don't think so. The the Captain Jack uh, kind of sword, uh, which they do on the bases with an imaginary one for doubles and hits and stuff. And then they have an actual one. Uh, in the dugout for home runs. And uh, Justice De Santos actually tweeted this over the weekend and uh, tagged me very funny with, uh, <laughs> they now have a stuffed Pikachu that they give to <laughs> like their this. player of the game, kind of like a WWE belt. And I saw, I think, a tweet yesterday about a uh, jacket as well. I mean, hey. Get in on all of this. I love it. They're having fun. And I don't care if they end up finishing fourth. Although, looking at this, I don't think they will. But if they finish fourth with all of these celebrations, that is the best fourth I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people like to say, oh, you know, you're not that good. Don't celebrate whatever. First of all, they are that good right now. And second of all, this is a game, and it's really, really fun to see. 
I'm all for props. Keep bringing the props. I don't know who started this originally of bringing the props into the baseball, but like let's do let's keep the props going and the home run celebrations because they're so entertaining and like you said it reminds us all that it's a game and it's fun and I think it's good for the next generation, young generations to be able to see players having fun. But let's move on to uh Jacob deGrom because I think I I'm, I'm going to ask you a question here to start because I know my answer to it. When I saw the headline pop up of DeGrom leaves early from his start because he has a, an injury, I started to see the tweets, I started seeing the headlines, I'm like, oh my god, this, this, can't, be, this can't be happening again. Um, but then I saw after the game that Kennedy Landry, for uh, our Rangers writer, wrote a story saying he just shrugs off the injury, or no, he was just saying like he wasn't really that concerned about it, he had four hitless innings going. Figured it had to be bad enough to come out of four hitless innings. But it said his wrist, he exits. But he said he wasn't too concerned about it. To me, I was like, okay, that's what every player always says. <laughs> Can we learn from the past here and realize maybe we all should be a little concerned about this? Were you in that moment thinking, here we go again? I was to an extent. I mean, you know, it's nobody's fault, but you look at the player or the track record. And the injuries they saw with. The only reason that I didn't feel the exact same way was because it was a new injury. It was a wrist. It wasn't shoulder. It wasn't elbow. It wasn't your typical pitching injury. So part of me felt like maybe that's a weird acute thing. And that goes away quickly. But yes, overall, I mean, unfortunately, with his past... There's certainly a segment of people that will always feel that whenever, I mean, he could sneeze and people would say, (laughs) oh no, here we go again with Jacob Jagram. But then he comes out (laughs) and he continues to be Jacob Jagram. So on Sunday, 11 strikeouts, no walks. He was Mm -hmm. the first Rangers pitcher. With 10 strikeouts at least and no walks in Adrian Sampson in 2019. Can't say I remember that game. My apologies to Adrian. (laughs) But Jacob DeGrom is going to do that a lot for Bruce Bochy's Rangers over the next uh, handful of years here. It was, I think when I saw, I was sort of waiting. I I knew that he wasn't, wasn't something he was going on the I.L., waiting to see how his performance would be the next time out because if it's shaky then that's where it's like all right does he need to be sent for a second opinion does he need to do a little bit more well no he's fine and I to me and I know going back to what you had as your rankings over the offseason when you're going like position by position um I know you debated like is is it is it justifiable to give him one more shot at proving that he's deserving of the number one spot when you're looking at starting pitchers and um, just because of his injury history. And so I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, is this where he falls off and he's no longer going to be Sarah's number one because of uh, another injury? Or is this where he bounces back and she's okay. I think there's a reason why you're giving him another shot at, at claiming that spot because look at the way that he can pitch. I mean, it was four hitless innings that he had to come out of. He comes back and he has 11 strikeouts. This guy, if he can just stay healthy, this season could be just really fun to watch for Rangers fans. 
So if you take away that opening day start where he gave up five runs, he has made four starts in. He has a 157 ERA in those starts, 146 opponent batting average, 232 opponent slog. I mean, Shohei Otani would be like, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> those are still outstanding numbers. He's been really good. I mean, in that span, 36 strikeouts and three walks. He has been Jacob deGrom. And it's a really good reminder that when Jacob deGrom is Jacob deGrom, he is the best pitcher on the planet. I don't know, though. I mean, obviously, thank goodness, I am not doing rankings this exact second. But... <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. How about we have you update them every single month? No, that would be <laughs> terrifying. Uh, we do do pitcher power rankings, though, yes. on MLB.com, and I do vote. Uh, but if Otani continues the way he is and DeGrom continues, you know, minus that first start, I'm going to be sitting here in December over the holidays having a lot of trouble <laughs> deciding who is number one. I mean, Obviously, Jerome has the track record, but Otani has matched him so far in a small sample in being that absolute dominant force. So it's, I mean, I hope that it's that difficult in December because that means they're both really, really good. Yeah, I think as long as both can stay healthy, I don't see how they're not both that really, really good. You don't start off this hot with that type of reputation and somehow just I think completely fall off to me I think no maybe they're not this level of dominant maybe DeGrom doesn't go out there and have double digit strikeouts every time all right whatever that's fine uh but I think they're both gonna be really really good as long as they can stay healthy and that's obviously great for the game so um I think that that's I think it's going to be your problem and not mine, and I'm not jealous about it because I I don't have to rank them, and I'll be getting the text message of, oh, my God, I don't know what to do, and I'll just be like, sorry. Uh, yeah, you can do this one, but you can also do this one, or you could do this one, and I'm going to be absolutely no help. So, yeah, I think that's sort of how it went this year. Yeah, super, super <laughs> helpful. No, but I appreciate the sounding board. And I do want to mention yes. the Rangers overall, 14-7 and seven right now, a 667 win percentage tied with the Orioles for second best in the American League behind only the Rays. And I know uh, our friend Mark Feinzan always says that he doesn't put stock into run differential until about Memorial Day. Because one bad game or good game can really sway it this early on. But the Rangers have a plus 60 run differential right now. Which is second in the majors behind only the Rays. I do think the Astros are gaining momentum and will be better. But Jacob deGrom and Jacob deGrom... Adolis Garcia is out here hitting three home runs in Jeez. games. The Rangers are really good. 
Their bullpen has been good. Bruce Bochy has been pulling all the right strings, making the right moves, and they've been fun. And again, now they're doing this without Corey Seager, who's been injured. The Garcia having three home runs, I remember I was in the press box at Progressive Field, and everyone started to whisper about it. Like, did you see this? Did you see this? And I heard their social media guy just say, yeah, he has three home runs, and it's the sixth inning. And I went, I'm sorry, what? That's whenever it really caught my attention. Because three home run games happen. They're so impressive. Um, but then when I heard it was the sixth inning, I was like, oh, okay, so he might be able to get a fourth if he really wanted to. Okay, that's uh, that's taking it to a whole nother level. I thought that was funny. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, again, the Rangers are a team that we hadn't talked about in a while. Last year wasn't a, t- a year that we really talked about them at all. So, um fun to have the Pirates and the Rangers both getting into this mix but we can take a quick break right now so then we can talk about our favorite thing as we always do um we can talk about each of our favorite moments from baseball over the past week Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones Blue Nile has something she'll adore Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and as always now, we have Alana Schreiber, our wonderful producer, joining us for our favorite segment. So, Alana, do you want to start us off with your favorite moment from baseball over the last week? Yes, I was choosing between two, but you guys gave me a sign when you started talking about the Pirates because I recently got to go to an LSU two-lane baseball game um, featuring LSU's Dylan Cruz, who is considered by many to maybe be the overall pick. There was so much excitement around seeing him. There were so many scouts. I had my little media pass, so I'm like eating jambalaya in the press box, just watching everyone watch him. Um, And of course, with the Pirates giving the first pick, everyone is saying, he's going to be a future pirate. This is a future pirate right here. And I'm making all these jokes like, well, you know, with O'Neill Cruz and Dylan Cruz, we've got Cruz and Cruz cruising into the next team. (laughs) Some really bad, some really bad jokes, but um, it was just so exciting to see him as a college player. He has like a 435 average or something right now. And apparently it was even above 500 at some point this season, which is just absolutely nuts. So it's just so cool to see, you know, these potential big stars when they're young and in college and to just see what might happen with the rest of his career. And he played great and LSU won and it was super exciting. And, you know, I I don't live somewhere with access to a ton of professional baseball. So I'm relying a lot on the college teams, but they're coming through. That's awesome. Because like for you, I mean, imagine if this, this kid does become something. Imagine... Fast forward 10 years from now, and he's one of the best players in the game, and you can go back to that memory of seeing him as a college player. I think that's super awesome. Yeah, definitely. And just watching the scouts take notes as he hit an RBI, right? and that was really exciting. That's a, such a cool perspective. All right, Slangs, go ahead. All right. Um, 
I'm deciding in the moment as I speak. I can see like the wheels turning as you're sitting there. I'm like, oh boy, how many does she have that she's debating right now? All right, I think I'm going to go with the Giants and Brandon Crawford. So he had a ball on Saturday that when it was so at a uh, Oracle Park, they keep track of splash hits. So they have a count overall. But there was a counter in the stadium for ones by Giants since the ballpark opened. So a splash hit is a home run that lands in McCovey Cove in right field on a fly. And obviously Barry Mons has like 60 of them and everyone else has combined for like 30 something. So entering Saturday there were 98. Brandon Crawford hits a home run that looked like it went there. It was a national game and uh, on Fox and the camera angle they had, I mean, great views all around, but the replay they showed didn't actually show whether it landed on a fly. They didn't change the counter. People, you know, in the stadium, I guess, thought it had hit the uh, concourse first in the back on the marina. After the game, Brandon Crawford talking about, like, I thought I had a splash hit, guess not. Yesterday, on Sunday, before the game, they put a graphic up on the scoreboard, 99 splash hit, and changed the counter. And apparently, they told the media they reviewed security footage. Oh my gosh. They gave them the right angle to see that landed in the water on a fly. I love that they're going back to measure that, reviewing ballpark security footage to see. And I mean, this is why baseball, no other sport has anything remotely (laughs) like this. And I just thought it was the most absurd and amazing thing oh my gosh i did not see that i'm so glad you brought that up because i did not (laughs) see that at all that's incredible that you're able to just dig up security footage to get a replay of that and that people care this much i mean Uh like this this minutia of everyday thing like no other sport like you said other sport cares about these little small (laughs) things and here that's a big deal you need to know if that counter goes up to 99 I mean, 99, next yes. one's 100. You can't get that wrong. Yeah. No, it's a big deal. So, okay, I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't see that. So, mine is not necessarily on the field. Mine is um, Terry Francona had his documentary air on MLB Network last night, um, Sunday night. If you didn't see it, it's great. You should see it. Um they definitely spared him. I think they could have embarrassed him way more because this guy is a child. Um, but what what was funny about it was when they did dig into his childlike behavior. Um, they had some of his closest friends. You had Kevin Cash coming on there, ta- of course, talking about their antics between each other. And it was funny how everyone they interviewed, they did Guardians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, Everyone sort of said he is so suited for this role. He is so incredible at managing a team, but he really is not cut for like life because he cannot, he cannot figure out life. (laughs) And 
he's the most self-deprecating person I've ever met, not even just someone in the game. Uh, and so he's the first to make fun of himself every day. It makes for wonderful content for us throughout spring training, especially. Um, and so what was funny about it was they dug into the highlights of his press conferences from 2016 and their playoff run and him talking about how he fell asleep while he was dunking pretzels and peanut butter and he somehow woke up and just had peanut butter in his glasses and had no <laughs> idea what happened. Um, they, he, he does this type of stuff all the time. And so it was funny that they showed the world who might not know this, that side of him, because that side of him is very funny. What was fitting and my f highlight of the whole thing was they showed something that wasn't being recorded for air. They were in the middle of an interview with him. They were setting up the scene. Um, he wasn't, it's not like he was like paying attention to the cameras or anything. They weren't talking to him or interviewing him in, in this moment. They were prepping the shot. And so he was sitting there and they noticed a piece of lint on his shirt. So they came out, they had someone from production saying, you have lint, let me get it. And they had a little piece of tape to get it off of his shirt. And they kept this in to show who he is. And he looked down and he was like, oh, no, nah, man, that's potato chips. I was just eating potato chips. That's my bad. <laughs> and I just started laughing because, like, that was the moment that was so real, Tito. And that's where I was like, I'm so glad they kept that because you can tell by the shot that that was not stage scripted, whatever. That was just as they're sitting here making fun of this man for being a man child. He's sitting there trying to get cleaned up of the lint that they think it was. And he was like, oh, no, it's just eating potato chips. And that's what's there. Um, so at, overall, the documentary was great. I thought it was funny how they highlighted him. He's mortified by this. He's refusing to watch it. He won't watch it. Um, he can't. He, the only time I ever see him be uncomfortable with anything is if he's talking any what positively about himself. So he can't handle any of that. So it's been fun to sort of just continually bring it up to him this week because we knew it was airing and watching him squirm a little bit in his seat and gets really uncomfortable with us asking about it. Um, and I know all of his coworkers are really trying to force him to watch it and so they can watch him be super uncomfortable. But if you didn't see it, it's definitely worth it for any type of baseball fan. I mean, not to give uh, Guardians PR and company too much uh or to go after Tito, but they have a captive audience on the plane, right? Like, next road trip? What do you mean? If he doesn't want to watch him, what if it's playing oh, on the plane? Then they he could. Has it. Oh, yeah. they could. They can trap him. Sorry, Tito. Sorry, <laughs> Tito. But they can just trap saying, him. I mean, that's a very easy way to do it if they're wanting to. It wouldn't surprise me. But hey, I am with him. I mean, yeah, there's something coming up that's going to be about me that I don't think I will ever be able to watch. So yeah, I uh, I fully understand uh, that feeling. Wow, look at the teaser of all teasers that we're putting out there. Everyone's now on the edge of their seats. But yes, they can trap Tito. They can do this. And knowing the culture of this front office, they would 1,000% try to get him in some way, considering everyone knows that he's a huge Arizona fan. Um, he went there. He played baseball there. And he's huge into March Madness. So when they lost early in March Madness this year, they had the 
the PA announcer at the spring training game announced the losing score so that Tito could hear it in the dugout to completely taunt him so that he knew that his team lost while he was in the middle of the game and you could just see him put his hand in his head, like his head in his hands as they're making fun of him over the PA system. And everyone, it was Princeton, right? Yeah. So everyone, by the time he got back to the complex, everyone there was wearing Princeton shirts. And he was like, how do you all have these already? And so, like, they, of course, that's the environment there. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if they trap him somehow and get him to watch this because he would be utterly uncomfortable with it. But anyway, great things all around in baseball this week. And please watch that documentary if you haven't already. MLB Network did a wonderful job on it. But that'll do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week.